seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have the sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother. We have finally made it to the last part of the saga, the dream boat, the parable, the story, the fable, the anything you want to call it. The Rev calls it the Freedom Paradox. And welcome to the Must See, Must Hear V Blast on the entire Akashic Web. Welcome to the Rev After Dark, right here on the WFAQ uh, 2. It's 1121, my Let's get up on this and get it out the way because we got things brewing and are basting up in the jelly bean. Now that we have come to the last but not least part of the Freedom Paradox, we have to take a look at what all this can possibly mean to us and our future society. Let me throw this little brain tickler at my little wristians. And again, this comes from Mr. Robert Horton III. Quote, Have you ever stopped to think, what brought you to a certain bar, restaurant, or store? Most people can name a few reasons, and of course the reality is that there are thousands of mental, physical, and emotional factors at play. Companies rely on these influences to manipulate our behaviors into going where they want, when they want, and by what they tell us to. Advertising is designed to influence our behavior. Unquote. Thank you, Mr. Horton. Appreciate that once again. As with the idea, thoughts, and meanings behind the freedom paradox, it does tie into the growth of the information age. The proliferation of the internet and the ease of sharing information online has greatly enhanced the power of media and advertising. It shapes our attitudes, behaviors, and our values in regards to how we view everything and everyone. Everyone speaks about how media affects our society, but the power of advertising also comes from the ideas and messages that get portrayed as underlying reality in the media. Quote, To practice and preach the same thing is utter madness. Sometimes communication must be made more difficult and irritating than necessary in order to convey certain dangerous complexities. The knowledge must not fall into the wrong hands. Quote, Those are from the Church of the Subgenius. Can such living entities such as advertising provide solutions to our deepest longing? Every day we are exposed to a particular lifestyle portrayed in movies, TVs, music, billboards, commercials. We see people dressed a certain way, living life to the fullest in a particular way. Unfortunately, these characters are created to sell products or raise the ratings. Quote, What influenced me to come to this specific location, unquote, asked by Mr. Robert Horton. Corporate entities rely on all these factors when designing their business. Often what is portrayed may not be aligned with reality, and yet we may feel that we long to have the kind of life they have. We wish our lives were just exciting. We wish we had such close relationships and friends. We wish we would run into the kind of luck we see on TV. We wish we can live just as recklessly, perhaps promiscuously, without consequences. We wish we could be as happy as the people we see. We wish to look the way they look, have the body shapes they do. Media has a way of creating longing for things that we don't have, whether or not they are realistic or not. Unfortunately, our lives don't wrap up cleanly in 30 minutes. Unfortunately, there are consequences to our actions. Unfortunately, reckless actions lead to pain, suffering, and lifelong regret. Unfortunately, reality says our life probably will not 
or maybe never pan out the way we see it on TV. Unfortunately, we do have limits in ability, skills, and even physical appearance. Unfortunately, the way a particular product brings completely happiness and satisfaction as seen on the joyous, beautiful actors having fun is not true to reality. Mainstream media and advertising often leaves us unsatisfied with the cards we are dealt. Rather than being content with reality, we desire for that which we do not have. Advertising strongly uses the emotional feelings to get us to buy a product or use a service. All media and advertising is not necessarily deceptive, yet its influence can be. Quote, you'll pay to know what you really think. Quote, once again from the Church of the Subgenius. When advertising highlights the benefits of products or a service and matches them with your needs, then it is considered beneficial to our society. It plays an important role in helping our economic function. It is a tool for economic growth and a way to inform the public. It helps increase competition, makes production efficient, lowers prices, creating jobs, and improving overall livelihood. Where media and advertising fail is when the goal of revenue overcomes our senses or ethics or morality. Is this the norm? If so, what can be done? Quote, Sensationalism is just the lure we use in order to communicate in all sobriety certain awful histories and secret fate for the earth. So unspeakable that it may take several books to prepare you just to read. Quote, once again, Church of the Subgenius. If revenue is what drives companies to do what they do, be sure not to encourage them if it means skipping out on that movie you really want to see. I know it myself because I'm like, that's a lot of money to spend on a movie. But it's no here, no there. Let's keep going forward, folks. When advertising deliberately seeks to deceive by the underlying images they present, it really asserts the wrong kind of influence to our society, especially to our children and our generations. It isn't easy, but we can all do our part. What happens when at the end of it all, the grays and the pinks start to feel their grip slipping on us? What happens if we wake up and see what is what? We recognize our freedom is guaranteed and granted by someone other than us. We are the freedom paradox. And once again, I have to say this because I feel it is so important. Everything I present is not too far off from what our truest freedom is. Quote, whether you think you can or you think you can't, either way, you're right. Unquote. And that's from Henry Ford. When I first started the mission of bringing to everyone the freedom paradox, it was to merely show that everything that we do, use, consume, and become is being influenced by something other than our own thought. And by no means are we to fear this knowledge. Have concerns that our lives are not as free as we think. Just recognize it for what it truly is. Once you see the man behind the curtain, it takes away a portion of their power. Not control, just power over the blinds that have been pulled over our eyes. Don't fear our freedom givers. They are just as free as we. This last part will take us beyond the freedom paradox. Please do not think I am selling fear. That is not the case. I'm just pointing out another person who saw what our future could be. And with this quote from Robert Horton III, it will be the possible catalyst of what the freedom paradox can become. Quote, 
The rabbit hole on the subject then widens and becomes more intricate. Unquote. Thank you, Mr. Horton. I know, or better yet, hope that my peeps and everyone around the universe has heard the tales of Gulliver's Travels. It was written back in the mid-18th century, and along with Orwell, Huxley, and Bradbury, Jonathan Swift not only talked about the little people, Catherine the Giant, that wash up on their shore, he brought us an idea we need to prevent the children of the poor people from being a burden to their parents and or country. It was called The Modest Proposal and was written in 1729. It does suggest that the impoverished Irish might ease their economic troubles by selling their children as food for the rich gentlemen and ladies. This satirical, hyperbole, mock heartless attitudes towards the poor as well as government policies in general. The primary target of Swift's satire was the rationalism of modern economics and the growth of rationalistic modes of thinking in modern life at the expense of the more traditional human values. This was widely held to be one of the greatest examples of sustained irony in the history of English language. Now, my Lodorissians, I want you to remember that key word there, irony. Much of its shock value derives from the plight of the starving beggars in Ireland so that the reader is unprepared for the surprise of Swift's solution when he states, quote, A young healthy child, well-nursed, is at a year old, most delicious nourishing and wholesome food, whether stewed, roasted, baked, or broiled. And I make no doubt when I equally serve it in a fricassee or a ragu, unquote. Swift goes to great lengths to support calculations showing the financial benefits of his suggestion. Who, if a resolution could now be taken to buy only our native goods? Could, would, and should they immediately unite to cheat and exact upon us the price, the measure, and the goodness? Control of our natural rights and dehumanize us will only lead to more piece uh, of the puzzle. We are mere commodity. The freedom paradox is not as confusing as you may think. We are free thanks to someone. Purpose and causality is their agenda. But please understand, once they fear we no longer need their products and services to live, we will become their product. Freedom isn't free. It costs folks like you and me. Freedom costs a buck five. Nope, nope, and nobody, nope, nope. The cost of our freedom is to say thank you. This has been a blast, and from now on, everywhere you go, put your hands up and say it from your chest. I am free. Rev out. Welcome. You've stumbled upon the trailer for the Paper Towel Improv Podcast. On Paper Towel, you'll hear improvisers from the great city of Tucson, Arizona, doing a variety of forms of improv for you every week. You can tune in for laughs every week after week on Spotify, Apple, Anchor, or wherever great podcasts can be found. Keep laughing, and I'll see you on Thursday. <laughs>